0: Hey everybody. This is Cliff, and uh, I wanted to give you a lowdown on this next episode here. We thought we'd try an experiment and watch a Finding Bigfoot episode in real time and kind of talk about what went on behind the scenes and heckle each other, and you just have fun with it. It turned out pretty good, but we also realized that a lot of people out there listen in their cars or while they're doing other things, and not necessarily next to a television. So for you people, what we did is we edited down our one-hour um, Finding Bigfoot episode episode banter into a shorter, more condensed version. And that's what you're going to be hearing right now. But if you would like to watch the episode in real time, we're going to release that as bonus material on Wednesday. So again, you can watch the actual Finding Bigfoot episode, and we restart at the very beginning, and you can watch it along with us, with Bobo and I and special guests. Um, As you're seeing the images, Bobo and I will be heckling whatever's happening up there. You know, you get the idea that'll be a special thing that's coming out this coming wednesday if you want to you know play along with us but again this particular episode you're about to hear is a condensed version of all of the comments and everything like that but don't play along don't play the episode along with it it'll be weird or maybe do because it will be weird either way i hope you enjoy it Good afternoon, Bobo. How are you today? Fair to the how are you, Cliff? At least that. At least that. Um, things are going pretty well, I think, for the most part. Again, I'm at the North American Bigfoot Center right now, um, and people are coming in. I mean, it's it's slowed down a little bit, of course. You know, it's not tourist season any longer. But um, people are still coming in, at least on the weekends. I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. Um, been out in the woods a few times. Started a, a long-term recording project on a witness's property, um, our, our museum members are going to be privy to those findings. Um, so that's kind of cool. And uh, some recent sightings have been exploring. There, man, there's always something going on, man.
1: Right on. yeah, I went with the Bluff Creek project. Went up and was doing final measurements for the verifying the PG film subject size. Uh, those guys have been clearing out Bluff Creek. A couple acre site now for almost 10 years trying to determine the, uh, you know, Authenticate the background items that are still there, like trees and stumps and such. And uh, I didn't actually do any of the physical work. I was more of moral support. (laughs) Right. You're a supervisor. Yeah. But we got, well, I was supposed to be the stand in guy for the Bigfoot, you know, to do that because I did the walk back when we did it 10 years ago. So they wanted the same, the same, same guy. And, but it rains. We got rained out that Sunday. And then Danny Perez and uh, Rowdy had their, uh, k100 this the old 1960s kodak camera they used to film the pg film they didn't, they didn't dare risk get those wet because they're really hard to get and they're expensive so we had a postponement and i had a doctor's appointment i couldn't miss so i had to leave that night but man it was sketchy that was one of the gnarliest drives ever coming out of if i didn't have four-wheel drive dude i would not be here i would have slid off one of those i snow and ice storm up there that's a dangerous
0: place. Any Anybody can get lost there. And if you're foolish about it, you're going to die. Well, Bobo, today, uh, we've been also getting a lot of requests to go back and watch another episode. Apparently, people enjoy this sort of thing. We really we enjoy it too, because I'll tell you, I mean, I don't go back and watch Finding Bigfoot episodes unless I'm with you now cause, for the podcast. Um, and we've been getting a lot of requests for us to go back and do another earlier one. So we've dug through the archives um, on Discovery+. Plus. Uh, and, then again, discovery plus is that streaming service for discovery. Um, I think it's still six bucks a month, I think. Um, so basically if you buy a beer and tip appropriately, you've already spent that money. Um, so yeah, if you have discovery plus and we're going to ask where we're going to be watching it, and even if you don't have discovery plus, we'll be talking you through the episode as we watch it. Um, so you can, you know, reach back into your memory banks and remember what was going on. And you can hear Bobo and I talking about what happened behind the scenes or, uh, heckling ourselves on camera. Um, all that sort of stuff. So this is one of those episodes today. And today we're going to be doing fishing for Bigfoot in Oregon. That's season one episode, I think four, if I remember right.
1: Yeah. Four.
0: Yeah. That we, where we go investigate that, uh, the McKenzie river footage. And I think we eventually end our way, uh, find our way back to Malala, um, for some, uh, stuff. We get some really cool vocalizations towards the end of the program here. So Uh, spoiler alert, I guess. No, now you have to listen. Lucky I just freed up an hour of all your times by the way, because now you don't have to listen. We you know we get vocalizations at the end of it.
1: Dang it, Cliff, you're a spoiler.
0: I know, I know, I just ruined everything. But maybe some of the some, maybe some people still listen to to the rest of us for it. All right, so here's the introduction with our with our fantastic narrators and kind of going over the scenes. Looks like we're going to Oregon this week. Oh yeah, the the BFRO led by Matt Moneymaker. Remember that Bobes when they still said that we were BFRO members? Yeah, of course we're not. Um, Matt is, of course, but the rest of us we're independent. I mean, we work with the BFRO. We've got nothing against the BFRO, but I can speaking for myself. I just don't join groups. You know, yeah. Any anybody who says I'm in their group, um, yeah, I, I may help them out with something, but that might be a stretch. Really, I'm not in any groups. I don't get along well with other people. You know,
1: uh, this is bringing back some memories now. This is over ten years ago now. Yeah, we filmed this in
0: in february 2011 which of course is over 10 years ago
1: i was so stoked to go there that was this was a great one and of course um you know this is all first season stuff
0: so we're like learning the ropes at this point we didn't have a we may have had a format at this point because we filmed this one after after the the georgia and florida and all that stuff i think this was the second to last one that we filmed i believe
1: you're right 1,300 reported, about 10 million sightings, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's important because, I mean, no matter how good of a database the BFRO is, what do you think, Bobo? They probably have 1%? No. For
1: my personal, uh, from what I've seen talking to people and reading reports, it's about 1 in 400. Because I'm not sure, I'd have to go look at the BFRO database for Clackamas County,
0: where I am right now in Oregon. And I think they have like, I don't know, 13 or 20 maybe, but gosh, in the last year and a half, um, two years, at the museum alone, we have something like 150 reports.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I've talked to in the last 30 plus years, I've talked to over, over probably 3,000 people within 50 miles of me that have had an encounter or sighting. There's that uh, video.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we're looking at the McKenzie footage um, where the fly fishermen were going down river in a drift boat, I believe. And they filmed a dark figure on the left-hand side of the river as they're floating by. And they thought that maybe it was a Sasquatch. Look at the young uh, uh, Finding Bigfoot crew.
1: Yeah, we got to get Renee on here. Reached out to her, so she should be coming on here pretty soon.
0: Yeah, Renee needs – I think she would enjoy this. I don't don't know what we talk about with, like, Bigfoot and stuff. Man, I know she'd have a lot to say with Finding Bigfoot. Moneymaker. (laughs) <laughs> short hair no mustache who is that guy has a mustache yeah i guess he's got a mustache buried in that beard yeah and of course this is at a fish ladder um i guess that's the rapids um where they filmed this thing on the mckenzie river um down yeah, mckenzie river kind of flows into the, the the eugene area so if you go to eugene and hang a left if you're heading south and go up into the mountains that's where this whole area is and a ton of stuff comes out of here look at you bubs
1: it's hard to <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, at that point of the year, man, the that water was flowing.
1: Yeah, a lot of people like uh back east and stuff where it you know kind of just rains and then the, the water comes up for us. Our big water is when the snow melts in the spring, early summer.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's no joke, man. I mean, uh the, the Mackenzie River has a lot of water flowing through that thing um so yeah these these fly fishermen guys too like from the fly shop i forget the name of the fly shop but um they they go down this river like daily sometimes in their guiding trips these guys are badasses dude how awesome is their job pretty good man almost as awesome as ours oh yeah so february yeah let's go whitewater rafting in february thanks production company
1: <laughs> yeah chris there he is chris and matt
0: yeah matt sansbury that's right that's the name i remember yeah so we're interviewing the witnesses right now or at least the fly fishing uh shop owners and fly fishermen showing a little bit of extra footage as of them going down cr- the the river there the fly. i think the fly shop still is in existence in eugene
1: they should be I mean, it was a great shop have you fished the mckenzie
0: no i never have fished the mckenzie you know, it's hard to fish anywhere else when the, you know, the Sandy River's real close and the Clackamas and all these local rivers. Yeah, Renee talked about fly fishing it. Yeah, I'm not sure if she's fished that. I mean, she said she did. Okay, so yeah, the, right now the fly fishing guys are just talking to us about their observations and what they
1: normally see when they're going down the river. And they say that they don't see a lot of people in this area. When I went over there for the recreation, I found like fire pits and well, really well-worn trails and litter and stuff. So people definitely went there.
0: Oh yeah yeah
1: I, I had actually done um, an
0: investigation you can read it read about it on the webs on my website not the museum website but Cliffberrickman.com and uh, I shot a little video at the area This is before we actually went to the site this is um, before we filmed Finding Bigfoot So I had already kind of come to the conclusion that this may not be a Bigfoot like we're looking at something that may not be a bigfoot in this in this film and then they asked me to do the the episode. About the film, and I go well. I've already come to my own conclusions, and they, they didn't seem to mind. So we got to go do it again. But I thought this was a great opportunity because I knew they were going to put us down the river in a raft where we can take photographs from the same position, or real close. Because when I was there in the summer, um, I had to I had to get out there with waiters. My friend Will got out there with waders, waiters, and we took shots as close as we could, but we couldn't get to the deep part of the water where the actual footage was taken.
1: I was pretty stoked that I had to get in the raft that day. I bet, I bet. I was I was kind of
0: excited to get in, but that excitement did not last long. Um, shortly after I got into the raft in the full dry suit and all that other stuff, I couldn't feel anything, let alone excitement.
1: Remember, like the biggest helmet they had was like medium large, and my thinker's head was just squished.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. when my my head was you know I've got a big noggin, man. So my head was squeezed in
1: there too. I just remember my like there, I just remember them, like having to force it on, like it was like a struggle to get it on. And he's like. I was totally in pain, uncomfortable, just hating it.
0: Oh man, that would looking at this, it was so unpleasant to be in there. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of shots uh going down the river there. And it was so hard to even talk at that. I mean, towards the end of the float, man, I could I could barely speak. I was so cold. You know, you get so cold, your brain freezes up. And for me, that could be like 50 degrees.
1: <laughs> the air was like mid-20s that day, high twenties or something. Oh yeah, I just froze. You have to do a size comparison. If you have a video if you, with you know, known fixed points, you can get in there. It's so important. And if you can use the
0: same camera, that's even better because focal point changes everything. The focal point of the lens. There's Bobo being the Bigfoot.
1: Look at that. Perfect.
0: Perfect again, Bobo.
1: Stand there and look big. <laughs> you, you did a fantastic job. Stand there and look like a primitive ape man. <laughs> Got
0: it. Yeah, it was pretty sketchy. Like Bobo just asked me, of course, on camera, like how was it holding the camera? I said, like, well, I was doing the best job I could, but, but you know, like you're in the water. You know, the last thing I wanted was to go in that water. So, and I, and of course, I've got control issues, so I'm looking and make sure we're not going to hit any rocks and all that sort of stuff. And it was it was gnarly. That was a a heck of a way to start the, the 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 fighting Bigfoot show, doing sketchy stuff in the middle of winter. Yeah, yeah. So the creature or the figure was about six six and a half feet. Yeah, I think later uh, analysis of this footage um, showed that the thing that whatever that dark figure is, it seems to be a person wearing a hat. It's just bad lighting, it seems. So I, I'm strongly inclined to think that this is actually just a dude on the side of the river, especially af- after going there and finding there's a campsite there with a parking area. You know, you can pull off. There are fire pits, like you were saying.
1: Was, I mean, looks, you can see that he's wearing a backpack or something. Or there's a jacket line. His arms are too short i'm inclined to think that is not a
0: big foot i know the fly fishermen guys they wanted it to be one but i don't th- i don't think it is well okay matt's saying that even though this whether or not the figure is a sasquatch there are still sightings in the area and he's absolutely correct a ton of stuff happens up the mckenzie river i did a speaking event last year and i think the year before up at mckenzie bridge which and of course that whole community got burnt out last year with the fires unfortunately but um yeah, it's terrible. But those I got ten sightings probably from doing those two jobs. It is a great area, though. I really, I've always really liked the Mackenzie.
1: So beautiful there, man.
0: It was pretty that night, although it was pretty cold. Yeah. So Bobo now is for the people at Homer, is, is explaining how he's had a lot of good luck in storms because uh, Sasquatches use the 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 sound as cover to approach closely. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, Bobes?
1: Uh, I in the redwoods mostly, but yeah, I mean when the you know, the big drops coming down, especially in those trees like two, three hundred feet tall. Those drops coming down get a lot of momentum and get pretty big. So you, know, they, you hear, then all of a sudden you hear snapping, like branches breaking. When it got heavier, like or the wind picked up and the really got loud. You'd hear them come in. And then there's that one we did in uh, Tahoe area, Sierra Nevada, where we had that raging storm. We had a we had a, a good calls come up to us. And then West Virginia, we had calls in that storm
0: yeah i would think the sasquatches are very aware of the sounds around them especially since i don't know bubs if you've noticed this as well but um over the years it seems to me that sasquatches like to hang out in areas that are just deadly quiet so they can keep track of everything that's going on in the area right um so they would have to notice the opposite and realize the advantage that gives them for moving around where they don't have to be as careful um remaining completely silent at all times Especially if there's like a loud river or creek, they'll
1: definitely use that. a good Cliff warming up. Yeah, my high shrieky shrill thing. I haven't heard you do that one in years. It's been a while. And of course, at this point,
0: the show is still new and everybody was just going like, what are these idiots doing?
1: I think there still are a lot of people. (laughs) Probably.
0: Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. Okay, Renee saw a hot spot on the therm. Turns out to be an elk. That's what we have here.
1: Oh yeah, it's possible that the uh, <clears throat> sometimes they'll the, the way they edit it, they'll keep showing like the ambiguous shot and not show the shot where you can see like it on four legs. This is kind of a dead night though. I remember walking around
0: out there and it was snowing and then it was raining and it was cold and there was nothing going on. It was real quiet out there at that time. Really quiet. Here we are four minutes later, and people go, "Oh, you gave up too early." Well, forget you, man. We were out there for like four or five hours. No, we were back then. We were doing at least six. Yeah, it was a long time, man. These night investigations went on, sometimes when it was slow, just dragged on and on and on.
1: I mean, yeah, in the winter times, we'd get out there dark at like six thirty-seven. We wouldn't come back till four or whatever. Yeah, it was a tough. It was a tough gig. You know, look at that. You can totally see that it's a total person.
0: Yeah, I sure think it was a person. Oh, look at that lousy map they used first season. <laughs> they sure got better at that. That's really bad. Yeah, all this B roll here, like going through the bridge and everything. That is the Mackenzie Bridge area. Uh, that we went to that pizza place. Um, um, Bigfoot and Brow, whatever. Yeah, Bigfoot and Brews, I think. And he, had a, he has a Bigfoot statue that's still there. In fact, it's still there today. Yeah. Um, I drove by there last year at some point. Ike's Pizza. That's right. Ike's Pizza. They have a lot of Bigfoot stuff inside there. I think a handful of casts and a, a big a Bigfoot that I think you're going to see here in a moment on, on the screen if I remember, right? There it is. This is a good one. It ain't no Murphy, but that's a good one.
1: That's the, so the shape I saw when I had my first sighting. Just like that, Bill. Yeah, same build, like smaller head, not the giant head everyone talks about.
0: Yeah, we're still doing all the introductions because the audience didn't know us yet. A couple seasons down the line, we didn't bother introducing anybody. Those are our best witnesses are the ones that showed up and didn't know who we were. <laughs> right, the early days. They weren't trying to get on TV. They just wanted to share their story. Oh, yeah, this, that that um, Mary is that woman's name. We chose her as one of the witnesses. But, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. I, she saw a Sasquatch. Oh, There's Mark. Yeah, one of the Malala guys.
1: Have you talked to him at
0: all? I haven't talked to him in a long time. Oh, and there's um, Ori, Ori Ennis, uh, and his son Steve. I haven't talked to either of those guys in a long time either. I, th- I think Ori might have passed by now. Um, but Steve's still around down there. He was down in Silverton last time I talked to him. I think you're right. Yeah, good guy. There's Rusty. Yeah, his uh, sighting was pretty fresh, which is one of the reasons we pulled him in.
1: I don't think there was any witnesses that I went out with that I didn't
0: like. Yeah, one of the neat things about the show is meet so many good people. Yeah, there's that cast that Will cast right after uh, um, Rusty saw that one. The Malala. Malala is a great Bigfoot spot. A lot of it got burnt out though um, with uh, the fires last year, the the 2020 fires. I'm not sure how much of it is recovered. I'm not even sure if the roads are open yet. Yeah, see, that was important. Matt just said that it was out of the snow compared to the McKenzie River location because Malala doesn't get a lot of snow. It's pretty low elevation. I used to go there a lot during the winter time for that very reason. You can get in there and the roads paved. It's a really nice area.
1: You know what's funny is Paul Gray says where he's at up in out Wenatchee up there in the backside of the Cascades, he said they stay above the snow line where he's at. Really? Yeah. See, I don't see I don't see any reason they'd want to be in the snow. Like there I know that
0: uh, Paul's saying is I think cover and he has talks a lot about the cover, but man, there's so much less food. So yeah, but Paul might be right. He knows his area well, so who am I to say?
1: Once it gets really cold, any meat they kill is not going to spoil. Like the summer, they could have an elk kill last them weeks and weeks. That's true. But I've also heard about them struggling to eat frozen meat from New Mexico. Some of the, uh, some of the Navajos are telling me about that. Yeah, they said, they, yeah, they observed them um, with a frozen carcass and they couldn't really do much with it.
0: Like a meat sickle. Here's Mary. Ma- Mary actually is a witness that I investigated her sighting the next day, I believe, after she saw it. Certainly within two days, three days maybe at the most. But um, I, uh, I got called into her report. I met her out at the scene. Um, and I know that Renee didn't think that an animal would behave like that. I think Matt had some doubts about Mary's report too. But I was there, man. I saw the footprints in the ground. Um, I went up in and was wading through the uh, the, the the Devil's Club to get to the footprints. I mean, something passed through there that left 16-inch footprints. So I, I disagree with Matt and Renee on this one strongly.
1: Is that Chris Minier right there?
0: Sure is. Oh, and then this report, too. Now, this is one of those TV things that kind of made me mad. Um, Rusty did not see his um, Bigfoot on the Malala. I mean, Truth be told, he saw it on the Sandy River over by um, Alder Creek in that general area. A lot of reports come out of that particular area, actually, over by uh, Marmont. This wasn't the real spot? No, that is not the real spot, unfortunately. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a bum out. I, I talked about it back then. You probably just forgot about it. But yeah, Rusty actually saw his Sasquatch really recently. He was a great witness. He's a legit witness. but then, um, It was pretty recent, but it was not at this location. But we had to play it like it was, which, of course, made, it, made me mad because I knew where the real thing was. Yeah, that didn't last long. No, no. Oh, I remember, I remember it's a little side note, I remember that backpack, that backpack right there. Um, I actually had to give that backpack away because Sochi chewed up my friend Bob's backpack, and I felt so bad I gave him my backpack. Bob the hippie? Uh, well, kind of. The Bob that works for the, um, the, uh, the Watts Music Conservancy. He works at um, Flea from Red Hot, the Red Hot Chili Peppers band, you know? Flea and um, Norby and all those guys from uh, Fishbone. They have a music school for inner city kids, and uh, Bob is the director of it. Oh, cool. Yeah, the Watts Conservancy of Music, I think is what it's called. But anyway, that's where my backpack is now. A lot of stuff comes out of where Rusty saw that Sasquatch. Tons of stuff.
1: I love that when you see the redneck guys with their cat. Oh, their camo on and they got a gold chain like hip hop style. <laughs>
0: okay, so now we're back with Renee and Matt at Mary's sighting location.
1: I think she was pretty upset, wasn't she, that she thought they didn't believe her? Yeah, she was insulted
0: because I, I went out there and I found she saw the footprints that I pointed. She didn't didn't know where they were, but I pointed out, look at this, look at this. She goes, Oh yeah, look at that. And um, yeah, it just ran down that hill and she may not have had the best description. You know, maybe they thought she was shady for some reason. I think she's great, but um, I thought, look look at him. <laughs> He's suspicious. Maddox is, is, of course, saying that uh, the, the idea of this thing running down and then running along the road is they, they don't do that.
1: Well, they do that sometimes. Yeah, the bouncing. St- yeah, I mean, most locomotion descriptions of them moving is smooth with the head not bobbing.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's a Mary issue more than anything else. I don't think it's a Sasquatch issue. I think it's a Mary issue of uh, the way she's describing it and what she remembers. And again, I, I, I was there literally within a few days of when Mary saw this. There were footprints in the ground on both sides of the road, right where she said they ran. I'm afraid in this case, Matt and Renee are wrong um i'm completely confident she saw a sasquatch because i tracked it and again i have a write-up on that it's called uh, road crossing in malala look at cliffberrickman.com under research check it out see what you think
1: i remember Max saying i'm sure she was partying and just hallucinated it yeah
0: i don't think so she's driving no i i I talked to her at the meeting i thought she was legit yeah yeah and again the footprints were in the ground that she did not find i found them
1: I think I didn't know about that being not the right spot till afterwards.
0: Yeah. Well, TV, you know. The general rules, if if it's on television, don't believe it until you have a reason to believe it. If I said don't
1: tell Bobo, he'll flip out.
0: (laughs) At that point, you might have. You picked up one of the producers above your head and threw him in the river or something.
1: It came close.
0: Oh, yeah. It came close a couple of times. But yeah, so we're, we're kind of recreating the eye shine here. But again, all this stuff happened over at Alder Creek on the Sandy River.
1: How far away were they in, in, at the Alder Creek spot? Like, from like is it the same distance I was from them at this recreation? Yeah,
0: yeah. The Sandy's about the same size in both spots. The Sandy and the Malala are about the same size river in general. But of course, you know, over at that Alder Creek place, um, so many place, so many Bigfoot things happen at that location because there's a saddle that leads over into Bull Run Watershed right there. All the animals move through there. I got a report just a couple, three weeks ago. I got a report. A woman was in here who lives over in that area and she saw a Sasquatch walk through her yard like at four in the morning, one morning, spitting distance from where uh, Rusty saw this thing.
1: Yeah, that's when I still used to wear Carhartt and for like rain and snow and stuff. I looked back on that. I thought, I was like, yeah, these guys were on Cortex. What a bunch of wussies. And you when know, I finally got a down jacket after seven years with you guys. The last two seasons out of down jacket, I was like, "Oh my god, what was I doing?" You're, you're wearing your car. They, the cards look great. They're warm and everything, but you know, you and your fancy science with
0: your down jackets,
1: exactly. Oh yeah, oh yeah, the rabbit bun bun.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're talking about we're talking about Steve and Ori Innis right now, and their friend Mark, um, and, and they had a ton of activity throughout the '90s in Malala because, like, a couple of them, like I'll, I'll say, homeless, although that may not, houseless, although that may not be the right term, because they are kind of out there. You know, they're just camping out there because they were in between places, and they didn't seem to mind so much.
1: They bought nice RVs, remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they
0: were just basically camping as, as an address for a while. And a, at this time, before Malala became like a scenic river corridor, um, they had a two-week limit on where you can stay. And these guys had a, a place that is now called the Bigfoot Campsite, although the, you can't get to it now. Um, there's a bunch of giant rocks at the location to stop anyone from driving in there. But it's about, I don't know, maybe a mile short of the bridge right at the base of the... Um, the table rock wilderness area on the right hand side, these big rocks stop you from driving in there. And like Mark would be there for two weeks and Steve would be somewhere else. Then after two weeks, when they had to move, they would just switch camps. So there was somebody occupying this location all the time. Um, And they started seeing Sasquatches and the Bigfoots didn't seem to mind for the most part. Um, They found footprints, lots of good sightings came out of there, neat vocalizations, Really, the, the mid late 90s was, was the heyday of the Malala Bigfoot scene because people were there all the time.
1: I think there's a heyday right here, this time, too. Well,
0: no one's working at it, and it's all shut down. No one can get in right now. Yeah, and Ori, too. Ori saw, yeah, he saw some interesting things out there. Ori was, oh, wait. Bigfoot files. Former Oregon Governor Ted Kulingowski tried to pass a law in 1977 that would make it illegal to what? A, falsely report a Bigfoot sighting. B, harass a Bigfoot or C, make Bigfoot howls after 10 p.m. A. I think it's B. We'll see. B, I got it. Harass a Bigfoot. Yeah, he tried to pass a bill. It didn't pass. It didn't go through, but um, he did actually try to do that. So.
1: What was it like about April Fool's Day or something?
0: I don't think so. I don't think so in this case. Maybe it was, I don't really know. In the museum, we're going to do something where Bigfoot and the law kind of meet, you know, so I, I need to dig that up and find out a little bit more about it. Right. But, you know, Ori there, um, the father, he actually saw a Sasquatch clapping one time. He's one of my three data points for Bigfoot's probably making or possibly making uh, knocking noises by clapping.
1: What was that story again? He was... I can't remember. He was in his
0: RV, I think, at one of these spots, probably the Bigfoot campsite, and he heard, you know, (laughs) knocking at like pop, pop, like outside. And he goes, "What is that? What is that?" And like he looked out the window, and maybe he didn't see anything when he looked out the window. Maybe he did. I can't remember the order. But then he looked out the door, and he and there was a Sasquatch squatting down. I guess, near his trailer. Maybe he looked over it through the window, or maybe I'm getting the story wrong. But nonetheless, he looked out, and he saw a Sasquatch squatting down and bringing his arms together, just like, bop, like banging, and then like clapping um, once every, you know, periodic piece of time. So yeah, he observed a Sasquatch clapping, making those knocking noises.
1: Bun, bun. We had a soul connection. I was so mad when that producer sent it back to the pet store. I'm like, I told you I was going to take her home. And she sent her back and then I went to go pick her up when we got the day off and they'd already sold her. Yeah. And for our
0: people who are not watching along with us, but listening, Bun Bun is the rabbit that we use. Um, we put a rabbit in a cage with glow sticks on it, trying to attract a Sasquatch in. Now, of course, the rabbit was in, not in danger. We actually got grief about this. Um, people were saying that we were being cruel to animals and all this sort of stuff, but I'm not sure that even, I think if a Sasquatch came in, maybe that would be cruel. But Bun Bun was well taken care of. We were never more than, say, 100 yards away from Bun Bun. And really, with all the lights and everything, how's a Bigfoot going to sneak by us and get that thing?
1: And if it did, it'd be worth it. Bun Bun was ready to dive on that sword for science advancement.
0: Well, aren't we all, though? Aren't we all? And of course, Bobo took an affinity to the rabbit. Bobo named it Bun Bun. Makes sense.
1: Paul Graves has a song
0: about it. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Okay, so it looks like the, the, the lights on the rabbit cage are being moved around a bit. Maybe Bun-Bun Bo- is just shifting his weight inside the cage, or maybe something else is going on. I wasn't sure what was going on that night. Okay, so the glow sticks are moving under the cage, where Thurman, we don't see anything in there.
1: It was weird.
0: So, yeah, it's just more uh, OTF stuff. On the fly is what that's uh, 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 an abbreviation for. I thought we had one coming in, maybe. It's a good area. It wasn't far from there that we got vocalizations a few nights later. Oh yeah, we got a knock. I forgot about that. No. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, we're asking, did you guys do a knock? And of course Matt's answer was
1: no. He used to always do that Lenny and Squiggy from the Shrey. Hello.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's a funny guy. Okay, yeah. So Bobo did not get to keep Bun Bun, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah. So we got a hit basically that night. Uh, there might've been a Sasquatch nearby. So we came back another night. I don't know if it was the next night or what. I don't remember.
1: It was a few nights.
0: With a sound system. And then um, Matt and I went up on the ledge there. And here we are here we are setting up our sound system here, 500 watts worth of it. And we're, uh, we actually went up Horse Creek is where we were up in the uh, Malala area. And kind of circled back around so we'd have an expanse to blast down into the valley in case something's down there listening.
1: that was a good system, I think crank That's when I want to make her fell asleep, remember?
0: Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that A little foreshadowing there for you, and we're explaining the 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 plan right now. We're talking about doing the vocalizations, and then um Renee and Bobo are going to hop on electric motorcycles and go piddling around. And, of course, you guys got to do that because you're the two with the motorcycle license. Nowadays, we probably just use those electric bicycles.
1: Oh, yeah, they're awesome.
0: Oh, they're way better than the motorcycles were.
1: Yeah, Renee was the only licensed motorcycle person. Remember, she crashed when we were in Indo. just fully made money make her crash.
0: Oh, oh, in Indonesia. Yeah, but uh, I thought you had a motorcycle license, Bobo. No, I lied. You just
1: lied? Okay, perfect. I told her why well, I'd owned motorcycles and I rode them a lot, so I was comfortable riding them. But a license, forget that. Oh uh, no!
0: Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages.
1: Yes, if you don't know, Renee's father was a semi-well-known daredevil that had one of the most insane motorcycle wrecks of all time, jumping buses or cars or something. Cars, something. John Holland, look it up on YouTube. John Holland, oh, it Daredevil. Oh, was John Holland? Oh, okay.
0: Yep. Yeah, her dad was a famous motocross guy in the, in the, in the era of evil Knievel, you know?
1: He was the poor man's evil
0: Knievel. <laughs> I suppose, yeah, the South Dakota Evil Knievel. Yeah, he took some spills over the years. I mean, he, he had a, 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 like a record or something of like one of the worst wrecks, I think.
1: Yeah, that's the one where he jumped the cars and he wrecked like five vehicles with his body. Oh, jeez. Now, this is interesting. We actually weren't blasting. Didn't we,
0: didn't we blast Ori's thing or didn't work? Is that right? Ori had a vocalization. And this is the Ohio Howl that Matt recorded.
1: And then it started warming up like the clouds came in and it started getting hot. We were walking around everywhere. I was taking off my jacket and all that. And I set the parabolic down. And Oh, no, we got a call from the network in New York saying, emergency, emergency. One of your cameras isn't working. We got all this footage with no sound on one of the cameras. And it was a camera with my team, so we had to stop pull the tapes out, everything shut down, shut down sound.
0: I'm, I hate to interrupt, but the vocalizations are going right now, Bobo. Okay, yeah, so the vocalizations are going off right now. You know, it's, it's funny, I was on top of the hill, Matt had sat down for a few minutes and actually fell asleep when the vocalizations were going, and Hamill was up there with us, so he, he grabbed it and we filmed it and everything. So we got some reactions and everything. Uh, but yeah, we got awesome vocalizations recorded. And then, of course, we're trying to figure out where you guys were and try to triangulate and stuff and get down the hill and uh, get as close as we can to these things.
1: We heard the best vocalizations I heard in the whole show that night, and all the all our gear was turned off for like five minutes, and that's when it happened.
0: Well, we got it all, luckily. Actually, the, the I got the recorder... Uh, I got the recording on my recorder and you can hear it again. I, I feel like I'm plugging my website too much. Sorry guys. But if you want to hear it, go to my website, cliffberkman.com and look for the horse Creek vocalizations.
1: But it didn't sound anything like what we heard in person. No,
0: they never do, man. The, the recordings just never sound like they do with your own ears. Oh gosh. We're looking, so we're going off into the woods now. It looks like to try to get closer to where the sounds came from. Oh, then you see this uh, warm spot on the ground. I forgot about that. Did you pee there? No. All right. So, yeah, you're talking about how you've seen lots of urine in a the therm, Well, so have you. That's true. That's true. But uh, I'm telling you, looking at you on in the, in these uh, interviews, man, your hair was quite curly, Bobo. Yeah. Natural. Kind of like, like lo, you know, Lord Roy's sort of like curly.
1: That's when HMP used to do my hair for me.
0: Heavy Metal Pat? Yep. Yep.
1: Here's my hair since sensei.
0: You definitely took some, you took some time for your hair. And it paid off, I'd say, too, in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so now we're trying, I remember this, we were walking towards each other on the road for about a mile or two apart, um, trying to get one to come in close. And, spoiler alert, we failed. I thought for sure we were going to get him that night. I was positive. Yeah, there were a couple times over the years I thought we were going to get him for sure on camera got to hit on a therm, see what's going on. Oh, that's us coming up, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Renee was a good hiker. Oh, yeah. Well, back then, I I, actually, I could could go all night back then, too. And Moneymaker Moneymaker shocks everyone because he's kind of a little bit plumper. But he can hike for all night, no problem.
0: Okay. So this is kind of the the final thing? I think it is, where we're getting together and saying, yep, we tried and didn't.
1: If I was holding the parabolic in the right direction when it happened, we would have got the best... Some of the best calls ever.
0: Oh, well, look, this is audio from Cliff's Digital Recorder. They gave me credit for it. That's nice of them.
1: Because those calls were way closer to us than you guys. We heard them way louder. Oh, yeah. Yeah, luck, but we had some elevation, too, so that helped us.
0: All right. So there we go. That's the end of the episode there, Finding Bigfoot, the Oregon episode, the very, very first Oregon episode here. All right. So, yeah, Bubba, but, but, do you have any, uh, any thoughts on the episode there? Just utter frustration. How
1: so? That we didn't get what we uh, we didn't get what I heard.
0: Uh, well, you know, we have 99 more episodes to be frustrated through then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was the first that was the first of the of the curse of Bigfoot um episode we had. It was the fourth one where like we had set the equipment down and then sure enough that's when the the call happens.
0: Oh, I, I have to say that is a completely inaccurate st- statement. I'm sorry, Bobbs, for interrupting for uh, disagreeing with you. But what about the very, very first night investigation in North Carolina when the cameras weren't running and we had a Bigfoot there?
1: Oh God! Okay, you're exactly right. That was yeah. I apologize for
0: correcting you, but
1: yeah, that was that was the that was the most egregious one of all. Absolutely, absolutely. Um,
0: but I thought it was a pretty good episode. It was a little frustrating just because I knew that we had to kind of fake the place where that encounter happened, when um, Rusty's encounter did not happen on the Malala River. It happened over on the Sandy River by Alder Creek. Um, I heard this thing, too. I can't find uh, I can't find the, the actual source. Um, and I've asked the person who told me this, and I think they're unsure, too. So this may not be true, but I have heard that Alder Creek... Over there on Highway 26, going up towards Mount Hood, um, on old maps, uh, it is supposedly called Ape Crossing. Now, I don't, I don't know if it's, yeah, that's what I heard, um, but I don't know if that's true or not, and I can't find the primary source at this point. You know, um, I've asked the investigator that told me that, and he said he saw it somewhere or another, and you know, so basically, it might just be a rumor. It might just be a rumor, but certainly there's enough Sasquatch stuff in that area that it's a very, you know, possible rumor. Um, it's certainly worthy of looking into.
1: I love hearing those old ape like name places, name because there's there's a there's there's obviously those lists people compiled having, you know, names of Ape, Devil, Monkey, Gorilla, you know, like Creek, whatever, Gorilla Creek or Ape Canyon. But there was the one called in Mendocino on Branscombe Road. Back in the 30s and 40s, the loggers called it the ape taking station. And it was a big stump where they'd put food out for the apes that would come in.
0: Really? Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Find that find that primary source. I'd love to see that.
1: Yeah, the guy that Drywall Mike was the guy that told told us about it because he had a crazy encounter there. Like he got the he got scared the daylights out of him. He uh him and his buddy were deer hunting and they camped in there. This thing he said they thought it was a demon or something because it ran so fast it it screamed so ungodly and it would circle their camp at a like faster than a horse could run by way faster than a horse could run, but through steep, rugged terrain with, you know, trees and bushes and shrubs, and they could just hear everything breaking. And they said when they finally saw it, it was only like six five, six six, something like that, but four five hundred pounds. Just one of those super broad ones.
0: Wow. You know, that reminded me of a story that uh, um, uh, Steve Innes, a uh, gentleman who was in this last episode we watched, um, he told me about about when he was at the Bigfoot campground alone. Because um, he spent a lot of time there alone. He's pretty much living there for a while. Um, and I guess he had this, he was sitting in a chair and he, he saw like a little one peek out from behind the tree. And I say little one, like four or five feet, if I remember correctly. And I haven't heard this story for a long time. So I may have some of the details incorrect, but you'll get the gist. And he saw a little one peek, peek out from behind the tree. And he figures, well, I'm going I'm to run at it because he hadn't done that yet. You know, I'm going to run at this thing. So he got up and kind of sprinted towards it. And then when he got to where it was, it wasn't there, and he looked around and he saw it on the other side of camp, peeking at it from behind a tree. And he spent the next, I don't know, five minutes or maybe more, maybe less, um, basically kind of playing tag or hide-and-go-seek with this thing. And he said he never even got close to it, just completely outdistanced him, outclassed him in the woods in every single way. And he said it was was ridiculous how— amazing these things are in the woods how fast and stealthy couldn't hear it but it was somewhere else all of a sudden um pretty amazing stuff
1: well and he said he goes it definitely was not he said it was definitely playing with him it was toying with him like it was definitely enjoying it so he said it had a because they have pretty human like expressions on their face often he said it, it looked like it was having fun oh you remember the story too did
0: you did he tell you that too must yeah, be at the same yeah. time okay cool cool i wasn't sure if that was one of our conversations on the phone or if that's something he told us in um while filming so i'm glad you remembered that just to verify that cool
1: he told us off camera because then oh, moneymaker thought he was lying so that would not happen you know and it's like yeah it would I, i've seen monkey play with one before and i've got other witnesses reports the small ones playing with toys and some of them even not interacting with children playing you know so it's totally believable Yeah, I don't see any
0: reason why that isn't, you know, something that a Sasquatch would do. I mean, it's it's unlikely because Sasquatches are unlikely, but
1: but all 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 primates play, especially young ones. All mammals, really. It doesn't seem all that unreasonable to me.
0: And you know, really, it's hard to put Sasquatches into the um, they would or wouldn't do this sort of thing. You know, they're weird animals, man. They do all sorts of crazy stuff.
1: Yeah, I remember that. That was that was that was one of my favorite. Stretches of finding Bigfoot. Man, we went to Oregon and then up to uh, Washington with the Wizard Randy up to uh, the
0: Star Mountain. Yeah, Silver Star Mountain. Yeah, that's that would be the next episode. Maybe we should visit that one next. I think so. Yeah, yeah. We have. We, I don't think we've had Randy on as a guest, have we? No, we haven't. Yeah, he's not the most computer savvy guy, though. So he, that may be something that we do in person. And I think he's actually moved up in the on the peninsula now too. So. Oh, he did. I think so. Yeah
1: lucky
0: yeah he's a good lucky guy in a good spot
1: cool cliff well i guess that was fun
0: yeah i, I it was kind of a blast from the past seeing like and it's at this point i can speaking for myself again bobs um at this point i enjoy the finding bigfoots kind of a lot because i don't relate to that being me right it's been so long now it's like i'm just watching tv with these other weirdos
1: <laughs> oh no, yeah it's uh because at the time, I was just so frustrated. Like, we're not doing this. Like, why are we staying in hotels? Why aren't we all sleeping outside every night recording audio 24 hours a day? Like, I don't get it. And I was just so aggravated the whole time. But you look back on it now, it's like, all you remember is like, oh, we had such a good time. It was beautiful. Like, oh, it was cold. No biggie. But at the time, you're like, I've been cold for a week, wet for a week. This sucks, you know?
0: Well, I hope everybody enjoyed uh, going back into the archives with us today and watching that uh, Finding Bigfoot episode from Oregon from the first season. Um, and you know tell us what you like if you like this sort of thing write to us go to bigfoot and Podcast.com, hit that contact button and give us some feedback what do you like what do you not like then um, although go easy on us on that one we're doing the best we can for you um and of course we also do the q a episodes about once a month or so if you have a question for Bobo and I about about any of the episodes the Oregon one or any of the other ones that you've seen again and podcast.com hit that contact button, and then ask us whatever you want. If there's a certain guest you th- think it would be fantastic, ask us. Talk to us. Um, we're we're accessible in other words. We're here for you. We're having fun doing this, and we want you to be involved somehow. So um, don't be a stranger. Reach out to us, and of course you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and anywhere else that you enjoy doing social media stuff. So all that stuff exists too.
1: Yep, yeah, and don't forget our t-shirts at that- Sasquatchprince.com. Support the show if you can. We'd appreciate that. I guess that's about it, Uh, Cliff. I
0: think so, bubs. I guess uh, we'll have to put this away for a week and uh, come back then and see what else has been new.
1: Cool. Right on, folks. Well, thanks for watching and listening with us. Send in those comments. And until next week, keep it squatchy.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond.